This podcast contains swearing, drinking, lame dad jokes, descriptions of gross body problems, and lots of history. Consider yourself warned. Doctors recommend avoiding this one food. Welcome to Monarchs and Malarkey, the show where we take an alcohol-laden dive into the weird and quirky health histories and deaths of leaders throughout time. I'm your host, Danielle. And I'm your co-host, Mike. And tonight we have a special guest. Hi! This is my sister, Amanda. Amanda, say hi again. Hello, I'm Amanda. In honor of being on our show for the first time ever, we have allotted Amanda a very special gift. Oh yeah, Um, be afraid. I might at one point just... <laughs> I'm not sure why it's Superman, but that's what's happening right now. Wrong podcast. <laughs> that's all right. So tonight we have Amanda on here because she plays a very special role in our lives. Yes, I'm your private chef. No. Okay. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> almost. A chef. Almost. I uh, yes, I make my living as a chef. Uh, I went to culinary school. I pretend like I know what I'm doing. But I'm here because some of the uh, deaths that you'll be talking about in some of your podcasts have to do with food. Right. And tonight, the person who we're talking about dying died from a type of fish, allegedly. Allegedly. Dun, dun, dun. And so we are drinking a fisheye Shiraz. It's good. It's pretty good. I don't usually like red wine. Yeah. But Australians know what they're doing. Australians are, yeah. Well, because everything's trying to kill them, so they have to make life really good. They have to make it really good. Really good while they still can. They know about, oh, that's another good reason we're drinking Australian wine, because they know about animals trying to kill them. That's very true. Oh, yeah. Which is what we're talking about tonight. (laughs) So everything in Australia kills you except for the wine. The wine is what makes you survive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. All right, so, Michael, get us rolling. Who are we talking about tonight? Today we are talking about Henry I. Henry I was the fourth youngest son of William the Conqueror, and he was born in Shelby in about 1069, and was the only one of his father and brothers who knew how to read and write, which I kind of find shocking. No, that's not, I mean, anybody who's studied the medieval period is not going to be that shocked, but... I can see why the little people would be shocked. I'm shocked. I don't... <laughs> I study history for the food, which is why I'm here. So I'm shocked. So, yeah, no, that's that's fairly typical. They could have people read for them. And a lot of the people who could read and have access to books were monks and abbots and archbishops and people like that. So books just weren't that big of a deal to people. But Henry himself was taught how to read and write. And he was also educated in Latin and the liberal arts. Hippie. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, liberal arts degree. Come on. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Honey, don't you have a liberal arts degree? I do have a liberal oh, arts degree. Oh, that explains oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Look at that ponytailed hippie. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. <laughs> so Henry himself was crowned on August 5th, 1100. Only three, <laughs> only three days after his brother Rufus died <laughs> during his hunting accident. Accident, quote. Yes. Wait, does that mean he was murdered? I guess you'll have to listen to episode three, won't you? God damn. Yes, I do. <laughs> if you call being shot with an arrow that 
bounced off bounced. of a tree. I'm making air quotes. Bounced off a tree. I mean, it works in Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be a great king, and then I took an arrow to the chest. See? Skyrim, based on a true story. <laughs> So, Henry himself was an energetic and muscular man with thick black hair. He was described as being skillful, intelligent, cruel, and paranoid of assassination. Sounds like a a lot of guys I've dated. Yeah, actually. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Same here. I'm thinking, oh, I can name No wonder you're now married to a redhead. (laughs) We prefer the term ginger. Continue, peasant. After becoming king... Henry described that the kingship had changed him and now that he had godly powers bestowed upon him because of the crown. Apparently, like Thor has his hammer, Henry (laughs) had his crown and it gave him magic powers. That's one of the things I've always found interesting about so many English monarchs is that they like truly believe that they were chosen by God. Yeah. And it's like, no, your dad just happened to bone your mom. That's why you exist, not because... God made you such. But they always feel so entitled because they think that. Anyway. Well, he apparently could touch people and cure them of certain illnesses. He was Jeebus? Well, and we see this a lot with other British monarchs where they have this holy touch, but it's bullshit. Including after they die. Including after they die. Henry himself was not a great warrior. He didn't like fighting battles. He much preferred diplomacy or bribing his way through problems. I mean, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a lot of modern today <laughs> politicians. Yeah, I was saying, sounds pretty regular. I mean, I'm not a politician, but okay, I'd do it. So when Harry ascended to the throne, his claim wasn't completely secure because his older brother, Robert, was still alive. And since Robert was the older brother, he had the stronger claim. Robert was returning back from the First Crusade. Henry knew this, and he knew he needed the support of the barons to help shore up his right to be king. So he married the Scottish princess Matilda, and that gave him a line to the Wessex kings and also established a foundation of peace to the Scots, which we know how that's going to turn out. (laughs) Henry was also loved because he lowered taxes, which all the barons liked him for. And he also stopped confiscating church revenues. Well, that's not going to last long. No. Yeah. But (laughs) for now, it was getting the church on his side because he was like, I'm going to stop taking money from you. So support my claim. These steps helped secure his claim. And Robert eventually relinquished his claim, but they still fought about it. Robert was in Normandy. Henry attacked over in Normandy and captured his brother in 1106 after routing his army at the Battle of Tinichibra. I don't think you're saying that right. No, I'm not. I don't know how to say it either, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> Tinichibre? That sounds that worse. Sounds... <laughs> is it French? What country is this it's in? It's French. I don't know. Spell it for us, darling. T-I-N-C-H-E-B-R-A-I. Tinichibre. Yeah. Something Tink like spray. that. Tink spray. Tink spray. It's a Tink French town. It's a French know. town. That's all we need to I know. I told my friend I told my friend Alyssa when she listens to this, she's absolutely loud laughing at our slaughtering of the French language. <laughs> so and she will. 
Yeah, I, I suppose that will happen a lot. A lot. That's probably. fine. Because the extent of my French is crepes. That's, you, <laughs> you don't, don't even say, say that right! right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's continue on with the shitty-ass French. <laughs> so Robert lived out the rest of his days being a prisoner. Henry also established more of a bureaucracy and an actual government administration to enforce rule of law. And his reign began to look more like a system of government rather than just, I'm the king up here on the hill and everyone was just going to do what I say. Fuck all y'all. I'm king. Cause the fool on the hill sees the world spinning round. I don't know. <laughs> king on a hill, fool on a hill. I knew where I was going with So that. he was one of the first kings who actually somewhat believed in democracy? Not democracy. More of... Just I'm like a going to of yeah a system of governance. Henry then married his daughter Matilda to Emperor Henry V of <laughs> Germany. I thought you were just saying then he married his daughter, and I was gonna be like, "That's fucked up." <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> because Henry wanted alliances, he secured that marriage, and Henry himself had several illegitimate children because he had quite a large number of mistresses. He had tons of kids. I was going through the list again the other day, and I was like, holy shit, he could have been a Mormon. <laughs> like, it was insane. He was I definitely... Mean, he was a Catholic, so same kind of thing. He was the Robert Baratheon of his time. Yeah. Oh yeah. He did have one legitimate son. <laughs> Only one out of all of these plethora of children. I used that word right. Plethora <laughs> of children. He only has one that's an actual, like, heir? Well, his wife, Matilda, I don't know what's going on there. No, his daughter was Matilda. And so was his wife. His wife was... Oh, yeah, that's right. He married the Scottish Matilda, and then he had a daughter, Matilda. Who married another Henry. I know. The same five names repeated over and over. Welcome to British history. This is the real reason Americans don't learn British history, because we can't remember our own goddamn names. During some of my studies, I have had to have you draw me pictures with crayons to explain some of the names. That is true. I have drawn little family maps to show him. Oh my god. How everybody's related. And they do so much intermarrying too. It's just I know it's messed yeah. up. Yeah. We'll see if we can get that put up on social media. Yeah. My drawing, do you still have it? Yes. Oh my god. Yes, I will post that. Okay. 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 He had one legitimate son who unfortunately drowned on November twenty fifth, eleven twenty. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, because it's really sad. <laughs> you sounded so sad. excited, and then you're like, but it's really sad. I just realized how terrible that sounded. Oh my. She's excited to talk about a I'm child's death. I'm not excited. It's just this is my part of the show, so I've got something to do finally besides sit here and look pretty. On the 25th of November, 1120, Henry and his family were about to go back to England because they've been visiting Hafle in France, and I'm pretty sure I almost got that right. You did that, that a lot better way, than I would have. Yeah, that was way better than what you said. <laughs> and there was a captain of a, of a ship named Thomas Fitz Stephen. You'll hear the, the term Fitz in front of last names a lot, and what that literally means is illegitimate son or daughter of. You know how in Game of Thrones they use snow or rivers or sand or things like that? Instead, they were using Fitz and then the name of the father. So Thomas Fitz Stephen literally means Thomas, the illegitimate son of Stephen. Okay. Learn something new every day. The more more you you know. know. (laughs) Anyway, Fitz Stephen comes to him and he says, hey, I'm a captain of this ship, the Blanche Neff, and my dad, 
actually took William the Conqueror from Normandy over to England to beat the shit out of our good friend Harold. So I'd be really super honored if you'd let me take your family back to England. And Henry was like, no, that's cool. We've got a ship. But you know what you can do is you can take my son, which was a really stupid idea. Just really scary and sad because the ship, which happened to be a lot faster than the one Henry was on, departed after Henry's ship because of that. And the crew were a bunch of idiots and they got really super drunk. It was the party boat. It was the party boat. And as they were leaving the harbor, they didn't even get out of the harbor. They struck a big rock that was under the water. Wait, they got drunk before they even left the harbor? Before they left. They partied it up and then they're on their way out. And they hit a fucking rock. And That's apparently- like, this is medieval times drinking and driving from a party. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and it has the same same tragic results. They all go into the water because it hit the port side and damaged it to the point it capsized immediately. So this is a, either a really big rock or a really shitty ship. It's also a very famous rock that the people in the harbor know about and know well enough that there's a rock here and we, and we leave it alone. It. But when you're really smashed, you don't give a shit. The boat capsized right away and only two men actually survived. One of the men who survived did so because he had a sheepskin coat on. It was freezing cold in the water and he was there all night. <laughs> but the butcher was the only person to make it actually back to land. And he told everybody what had happened. And nobody wanted to tell the king that his son was dead because Henry had a really bad temper. I believe you mentioned he was cruel and and rather nasty. Yeah, and when you're cruel and intelligent, it's a bad combination for your enemies. I don't know. I think it's worse to be cruel and stupid. I mean, look at our president. (laughs) (laughs) I am sorry. I am a glass of wine in already. (laughs) You're not sorry. No, I'm not. Uh, Only a class. (laughs) So with his legacy in jeopardy, Henry summoned his daughter, now Empress Matilda, back from Germany. Which, by the way, y'all, we are going to be hitting on Empress Matilda in an upcoming episode because women are leaders too. God damn it. Well, she was an empress. She was a fucking empress, and she's got a really rad story. And Henry originally wanted Matilda to be named as the heir, but the other barons wouldn't have it because there was no precedence of a woman being a leader. Well, at the time, they actually said, okay, it's not till later that they're like, never mind. They were wishy-washy. Matilda then married Joffrey Plantagenet. Joffrey Plantagenet. These are important names. Yes, to start the Plantagenet line... And in 1133, she had her first son, also named Henry. I'm not sure if you see a theme here. I'm sorry, were English just really bad at being creative? Yes. Do you, have you been to New England and England and they have all the exact same names of everything? I know, but still, it's like, good God. No originality. Sorry, not sorry, England. Nope. And she would have two more children, William and Joffrey. So we're just repeating the same names over and over. Yeah. So do you want to tell us about how Henry died? Oh, do we? Oh, do we? Oh, this is where I come in. Well, yes, and yes, we'll both come in on this. I'm going to just tell you all right now that what is often said is that Henry died of a surfeit of lampreys. A surfeit meaning basically a shit ton of lampreys. Amanda is going to give us a little history on the lamprey. On the lamprey. Okay. Yeah. What the hell is a lamprey? Well, most people call them eels. They're not actually eels. They're a type of fish. They look like eels because they're long and skinny and slimy and gross. But you know those fish from your nightmares that have like the round mouth with a thousand teeth and they look like they're going to eat your soul? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what these are. They've got mouths like that. Okay. Um, and they're actually a type of parasite, really. They're fish, but they're very parasitic. Technically, the type of lampreys that existed at that time are extinct today, but we have some that are still very similar. And they were one of Henry's favorite foods, according to history. He was something he was very into. He liked since the time he was a child. He continued to eat them as he got older. Now, the medieval way of thinking of food is kind of complex. They have this system of the way that they would eat food. They called them humors. Well, the food wasn't the humors. Well, the food food had humors. Food had humors. But people had... For humors. humors, which basically were their, I don't want to say personality, but what or who they were. Yeah, the humors were four different concepts that dictated what happened within your body. And so if you were sick, it was because one of your humors was off was, kilter. Yeah. And they also thought that like, depending on your age or even your gender, your yeah, humors, your could, humors be could be different. Right, right. So older people were considered cold. Cold and dry. And dry. Which, that was the phlegm or the melancholic. Maybe we should describe the phlegm. Yeah, so there was four different humors. They have like the most badass names ever. One was called yellow bile fire, which they described as hot and dry. And this was usually to describe young people from what I was researching. They had one called blood air, which was hot and wet. Also known as sanguine, which is the Latin yeah. word for blood. And that one from my research described younger, usually females. Mm-hmm. They had one called black bile earth. Also known as melancholic. Melancholic, but black bile earth just sounds way more bad. It sounds like a video game. Yeah, it does. That one was dry and cold. And that one usually referred to older people, sometimes men, dependent on their age, their health, whatever. But mostly older men. And then phlegm water. That sounds gross. That one sounds gross. That one had another name too. Well, and that's the cold and moist. Phlegm did not mean mucus like it does now. Phlegm was thought to be the substance that keeps everything in your body held together. Yeah. That one was usually older females, a lot older people. So at the time near Henry's death, he was in his 60s, eating something like lamprey, it was considered a food that older men shouldn't, especially older people, shouldn't eat because they're humors. Because they're older, they're wet or dry cold, they should eat hot foods like red wine like red wine so a lot of the times especially the way from what i was researching henry liked was for it to be cooked in red wine right and it's important to understand here that it's not that they thought red wine was literally warm and dry it's that it had the warm dry properties Properties. associated with yellow bile he would try to counteract the bad parts of the lamprey for him to eat in his old age with cooking it in red wine. And even killing them in red wine. And killing them, yeah, yeah. They would actually kill them. They could suffocate them in the red wine and then cook them in the same red wine that they killed them in. You know, embedded them with, with the red wine. So this is something he ate even up until his death. Now, people say that one of the reasons he died was he ate so much lamprey that he made himself sick. Yep. And a whole lot of his counselors tried to get him to not mm-hmm. eat the eels. Yep. And I've got a couple of quotes here about it. Oh, she's so fancy. Yeah, I'm so fancy. So um, I'll read one, and then if you want, you can read one, too. Sure. Okay. First one is from Matthew Paris's Chronica Moyora, which I'm not sure what Moyora means, but it might mean death, Chronicle of Death. He ate voraciously of a lamprey, which he was accustomed to delight in more than anything else, and paid no attention to his physicians when they forbade it to him. I mean, same. Oh, yeah. But when his weakness had overcome his natural strength, King Henry yielded. 
to fate. Well, see, that's one of the things that I was reading about is that because this was a food that was against the humors that he should eat, his physicians would actually believe if he overate that that would be the cause. The physicians at the time would say, well, he ate the wrong food with the wrong humors, so this is what killed him. Yeah, he got way too cold and way too moist. (laughs) Way too moist. (laughs) I hate that word. (laughs) All right, so this other one is an expert from Henry of Huntington, which also describes uh, the way he died. He devoured lampreys, which always disagreed with him, though he was exceedingly fond of them. That's like most foods I eat. <laughs> that was not a part of the quote. Anyway, and when his physicians forbade him from him eat them, the king did not heed their wise advice. This feast then provoked an evil humor, again, the word humor, It is an active cause of such things, cooling his aged frame to a fatal degree, set up a sudden and extreme disturbance. His constitution, struggling against this, excited a fever by way of frustrating the attack of the hurtful matter. But since he could withstand it by no means, the great king died on the first day of December. So basically, again, starting the same thing, the whole idea that these humors that described the types of food eels were bad for him just because of his age and, and everything. Humors, yep. Well, nowadays we know that that's not true. I mean, there might be some crazy people out there who still believe that stuff. Anti-vaxxers. But <laughs> anti-vaxxers. Anti-vaxxers still believe in the old medieval system of food. But today we know that's probably not true. So there's a couple reasons why he could have died from the eels, if he died from the eels at all. That's always up for debate. The number one thing about lampreys is that, like I said earlier, they're parasitic. And we're about to talk about mating season of fish. Never thought you'd talk about mating seasons of fish on a history podcast, did you? I mean, I don't know what you do on your weekends, but... (laughs) Right? (laughs) Lampreys mostly live in freshwater, though they can live in saltwater, but they mostly live in, like, riverbeds, that kind of thing, which is probably why they were pretty prevalent in England at the time. For about 18 months before they mate, they feed, and they almost constantly feed, no matter whether they're male or female. And they feed on other fish, animals, really anything that has blood. So Anything if you, they can get their teeth into? Yeah. So if you have some medieval peasant washing off in the river, one might attach that and feed off the person. Or feed off... I know. <laughs> right? Right? So no. you, when you eat these lampreys, especially at the time, you have no idea where the hell this lamprey's been or what it's eaten. You don't know where it's been, Lou. Right? So at the time of his death, it was barely past mating season for lampreys, which means the ones he ate were probably feeding off other animals, fish, whatever, for months before this. Anything that they picked up, he would have eaten. So if there is any disease that any animal that it fed off have had, anything like that, because they're carriers, they're not only parasitic, they're carriers. So it's a good chance he died of food poisoning. And that's what a lot of historians believe that if it was the lamprey, it wasn't because he ate so much that he exploded. He probably got extremely severe food poisoning and got picked up something that actually killed him. And he was, what, 60-something when he died? He was 67, so he was older. He was pretty far along for a monarch in England at the time, honestly. And the foodborne illness that is most likely to be the culprit in that particular case would be salmonella. Uh Uh-huh. Because it probably wasn't cooked right, for one. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole idea of cooking it in the red wine and everything. Great idea if you do it right. Yeah, because red wine will kill the bacteria, the yeah. alcohol, and it will help kill the bacteria. But I highly doubt that they had, like, <laughs> health inspectors knocking on the door, no. making sure that these were being cooked right. My lord, I'm here to inspect the kitchens. You know, those things just didn't exist back then. I brought then. my digital thermometer. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But... Uh, we can't ever know to this day if that was the case because all of his physicians at the time just believed he ate food of the wrong humor. Right. And let's talk a little bit about why salmonella is a possible, there are two possible culprits here. Salmonella is the top one. Mm -hmm. And the symptoms of that are diarrhea, fever, chills, abdominal pain, headache, fatigue, and coincidentally loss of appetite. I mean, like, why do you even have to list that as a symptom? I know, right? But it does hit really rapidly. If you've ever had food poisoning, you know. You eat your dinner and four hours later you feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And it is said to have hit him very fast. And it does match the symptoms of the fever and everything. Although I could not find any sources that said he had the diarrhea. That doesn't mean there's no way he had salmonella. But it does make it a little more suspect. But that brings us to another possibility of peritonitis. Peritonitis, it's nasty. The peritoneum is the membrane that forms the lining of your abdominal cavity. And there are a lot of different things that can make it basically be perforated. And if that happens and you get any bacteria in there of any kind, it's it's going to kill you. Now, the reason I think that one is less likely is because that one takes longer to actually kill you. Mm-hmm. So that, that one includes abdominal pain, bloating, fever, vomiting, diarrhea. But it also includes low urine output and thirst because your stomach cavity, well, your abdomen is getting filled with fluids instead of it digesting properly. Mm. The other third possible culprit that's been tossed around by scholars is that his actual small intestine got perforated. Interestingly enough, our next episode is going to have the same culprits Mm -hmm. potentially involved in that. But the duodenum is the very top of your small intestine. It's right below your stomach. It's the first place your food goes when it's digesting. So it's very possible for something like that to be the culprit. And that, again, would also make you really, really sick and can actually cause peritonitis. So it may be a blend of those. I tend to lean more towards the salmonella. Which is one of those things where if you think about today, someone getting salmonella, one, it's far less likely. But although it hits fast, it can be treated fast. Right. And we don't actually normally think of salmonella as a deadly disease anymore. It can mm-hmm. kill you. But at this time, they would have nothing. They had no antibiotics. They had no antibiotics. They, no they didn't idea. even have a concept really of what these kind of things were. It was his humors, and therefore there was nothing they could do yeah. because it was too late to give him enough of the warm humors, to the warm, sur- dry to humors save him. to bring him back. Yeah. All the doctors could do is say, I told you so. Yeah, and Basically. I mean, most of the physicians at the time, from all my research we're just saying he ate the wrong humors. It's also important, though, to keep in mind, they need to cover their own asses. Oh, yeah. This is a time where if, if you fuck up and you're responsible for the death of a really important person, they can kill you. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're going to cover their own asses and be like, yo, we told him and we told him he didn't listen. It's not our fault. There's nothing we could do. I also found, apparently, just as a fun fact, uh, lamprey pie is still a prevalent meal. In some European countries. Yep. And is actually still considered a delicacy. Mm-hmm. But there is always this fear, because of like the history of Henry, that it'll kill you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the people, before they eat it, will drink a whole glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Red wine. 
In order to kill what would kill them from the lampreys. And, and it, it just so happens we have fish eye red wine. We're drinking fish eye red wine right now, so let's go have lamprey pie. Fish let's eye, you it. should totally sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, I think I, I am an adventurous eater. I will eat almost anything, and these look like the most fucking disgusting things in the history of the world to eat. But Henry liked them, and it's quite possible that his favorite food Did in some was way his downfall. Him. Yeah. Would you eat lamprey pie? No. <laughs> that shit, I mean, man, that shit looked nasty. I was looking up recipes for this, and I mean, they were all these, like, old British housewives in their 60s sharing the lamprey family recipe from the past hundred years or whatever, and they all just looked the most disgusting so thing in the looking. world. I was actually going to, I, I didn't have time to do it, but I was actually going to get eel sushi for us to eat while we recorded this. See, I like that. Unagi. That's actual eel. Yeah. And that was, that would be yummy, but we didn't. So that about wraps it up for us for this episode, folks. Before we go, be sure to find us on Twitter at Monarch Malarkey, all one word, on Facebook, Monarchs and Malarkey. And you can email us your ideas for an episode, Monarchs and Malarkey, all one word, at gmail.com. We'd also like to give a shout out and thank you to Jay Gelter for the music and Mark Gelter for the artwork. And a big thank you to Amanda for joining us. It's your oh, first podcast recording. I Yay! know. I, I Thank you for having me. And I'm getting tipsy. So this should be a fun evening. Oh, yeah. Let's go watch some 9-9. 9-9! <laughs> <laughs>